Lady Ballers? Welcome back. We're Soccer Props. And it's game time. How's training going? How's preseason? It's been good. It's just like a brand new team. There's like half and half. There's like half newbies and half oldies. So it's just like, it's just reinventing ourselves really. Because I mean, I feel like we've been kind of the same red stars for the past eight years. And now that's not going to be the case. Do you feel like there's like uh, a divide at first when it's two different groups or does your team mesh right away? And like, you know, sometimes it's even college, the freshman, it was always like an awkward little huddle of all the newbies together, but yeah, no, no, that's definitely, I feel like that's still the case, but it's more on like the younger ones. Like they're not really sure. I mean, you look at our team, we're pretty old. Like (laughs) a lot of us are approaching, well, old for soccer years, but we're approaching our thirties. A lot of people, there's got a bunch in our thirties. So I feel like they're coming in 22 and they're like, oh my gosh, like who are these girls? They've been around, you know, they probably watched the league, they know who we are. Um, but I feel like that breaks within like the first week or two. Like, I feel like everything's totally normal now. Like you have conversations with them, like you've known them for a whole season at this point. It doesn't take long to break in to this atmosphere. Isn't that funny how that happens with soccer teams? Like you cannot know anyone. And then you become weirdos and best friends <laughs> in like seven days. <laughs> exactly. It's a, it just takes like one thing that you're like, oh shit, we have that in common. And you're like, yep. okay, we're best friends now. <laughs> I swear soccer players are a different breed. Like you can just no. mesh, you know, it's really. I know. My, of all time, the, like my maid of honor. And then basically everyone in my, um, all my bridesmaids from my wedding, all soccer players. I, I don't think there was one person that I didn't meet through soccer. Love that. It, they've become family. Um, yeah. So we absolutely loved your game changer video. And we yeah. hadn't heard the story about how you told your team that you were pregnant. So can you tell us a little bit about that and retell it? Yes. Okay. So I'll, I'll give you the front end that they didn't really tell on it. So when I, when I actually was pregnant, I found out I hadn't told anyone. The only person who knew was our trainer. And I was like trying to keep it low key um, because I just didn't want everyone to know. I didn't want people to treat me differently on the field. And I just didn't know what that meant for my contract. Um, and we were close to the end of the season. I only missed like six games, I think. So I was like keeping on the DL. And then I started to get really sick around like six weeks. And like by sick, I mean, for my entire pregnancy, I puked probably six to 10 times a day. Oh so it was, it was terrible. I had to go in for IVs all the time. Um, so at that point I was like, Oh no, I'm not going to be able to keep this a secret. Cause I was like trying to still go to practice at this point, but I couldn't really, there was like one day I was on the floor. And so at that point I was like, I need to tell our coach. So I told Rory and, um, everyone on the team thought I had the flu for a while and I traveled. And then other people on the team were like, I think I'm sick. I think I've got the flu. I think I got it from Aaron. So then like, it was like Nikki, I think Nikki Stanton, she was like, I definitely have the flu. And I'm like, no, you don't have the flu. But I couldn't tell him I was, <laughs> I was pregnant. Um, so it was like a week after that, we got back and um, I like told all the coaches at this point, I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to announce it to the team. So I went in early that day at practice and they had made like a, the practice plan and they always put it on a projector before training um, just to kind of show us what we're going through. And then everyone's groups um, where you're at in the drill. And there was one with me in it and it said Gilly and then a parentheses, it was plus one. And so everyone read that on the screen and they were like, kind of like, what the heck does that even mean? And I just like turned around, I was like, I'm pregnant. And everyone was like, I knew it. I freaking knew it. And I was like, yeah. 
Um, so it was, I mean, honestly, like I said in the video, like it was such a like stress off my shoulders. I felt like I was keeping this huge secret and like I kept having to lie to people for like almost like three weeks. <laughs> it was terrible. Um, but yeah, that's that's how I ended up telling people. I didn't even crack once though. No one knew on my team before I did that. So I was very proud of myself for that. <laughs> all like, oh, that's why she was casually vomiting on the sideline every practice. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there was one practice we were like doing 1v1s and I was like white in the face and people were like, are you okay? Because that's just not typical of me. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> so Rob, how long were you able to practice? Um, I played until I was seven, seven to eight weeks, somewhere in there is when I stopped. And the only reason I stopped is because of the vomiting and I wasn't able to keep any food down. So I was like running the risk of being, getting injured on top of being pregnant. And my doctor kind of advised, you know, they were like, it's probably not best at this point. So but then I, me and my coaches just came to the decision that that was best for me. Um, but I still went to practices and everything when I was feeling well enough. Um, but uh, yeah, it was sad because I totally, I mean, obviously I watched Sid do all of this first with all the baby stuff. And I was like, I totally want to play until I'm 12 weeks. Cause that's what, when I initially found out I was pregnant, my doctor said I could go till 12 weeks. So that was the goal. Didn't quite make it. So hopefully maybe next time around, I can make that 12 week goal. It's good, it's good that you are re like, you represent the other side of it too, because honestly, sometimes I see i see these women they look like they are literally ready to give birth and they're in the middle of a practice and i'm like oh is that that's how it's supposed to be like we're all just supposed to be able that's the way everyone's able to do it until this point time period so it's kind of not that i want you to be sick for the whole thing but it's nice just to yeah. see another like realistic side of of how it's, it's not the same for everyone too no and that's funny that you bring that up because i remember talking it's another part they didn't show in the video but they had asked me, you know, motivation wise, and me and Alex Morgan, obviously were pregnant at the same time. I'm pretty sure our due dates are very, very similar. And she ended up being late, but she had posted a, a video when she was like six months pregnant or maybe a little bit later. And she's like out of the field kicking balls. And I was like, I told my husband, I said, okay, get the balls. We're going out to the field. <laughs> it's like, I've been sitting on the couch eating hot Cheetos for far too long. Let's go. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, we got out there. I'm not kidding. The first ball I hit, I was like, all right, let's pack it up. Yeah. Pack it up. We're going home. That's that was gotta good. Be, that's gotta be so hard. Like you're, this is the first experience of you being pregnant and like your job is to be a professional athlete. So it's like, how do you know when you're supposed to just relax and, and enjoy the time, you know, the downtime. And then how do you know when you're ready to like kick it up and start training yeah. again? I mean, that must be a hard transition. It is a hard transition. And it's not only like thinking about trying to stay fit, it's like that becomes like your identity and you as a person and to shut off for that long and your body to go through that many changes and you not to even recognize like this body that you're in is and then the way it's moving now, it's the most bizarre thing. And it's so hard to like completely understand mentally. Uh, I remember there was a time where I was just not in a good headspace because I was like, this isn't my body. I don't feel like I can't do the things that I want to do. Like putting on pants, I'm not kidding. To put my right leg into a pair of pants, I felt like a shooting pain down my leg. Meanwhile, like three months ago, I was playing professional sports and I can't put my right leg in a pair of pants three months later. So it's just, it's so, it was something I actually hadn't prepared for because I just assumed watching all these other athletes, you know, Serena, Serena Williams, all these other females like went through 
pregnancy and then came back and was like, I thought it would be a breeze. And then mm-hmm. I'd have this tiny, tiny little bump. I'd be working out until, you know, the very end, not the case. I probably, I probably did a total of 10 workouts my entire pregnancy because my body just couldn't do it. I, I yeah. really just could not do it. I'm so happy you're bringing this up though, because my sister, she, she just had two kids and she's like, no one physically can prepare you for how you will change and how mentally you're supposed to deal with the change of your body, your own body. Like she said that there were days like she didn't recognize herself either. It's exactly what you're saying. So it's like, it's probably so easy for you to go on, you know, know what your other teammates are doing or did and compare yourself to them and their journey. But like your journey is so unique as a mom coming back into the game. And like, I feel like every mom should understand that like, no one's the same. Like everyone's like Mm -hmm. going through their own unique way of getting back into things because it takes so much time, I'm sure. No, it really does. And I always tell people, especially friends now that I know that are, you know, having children, whether they're athletes or not. And I always tell them it's okay, because you always see these like glowing reviews about pregnancy, and it's not all glowing. And it's okay. It is totally okay to say what you're struggling with and to share that with other people, because there's so many things I wish people had shared with me that after the fact of now, I'm like, oh, well, I'm having this issue. And they're like, oh, yeah, I kind of told you that. And I'm like, well, why didn't you? You told me all the great things and you didn't fill me in on any of these like other things that are issues now. And like even to this day, what I'm I'm almost two years out from C-section because I ended up having to have an emergency C-section. He was stubborn. So um, I still have like a two finger like separation in my abdominals, which is really hard to play because I feel like all season long, I'm just working on strengthening my core, which is basically your base for everything you do in soccer. Um, and I'm just working to keep that together so that I could sustain an entire season because it's yeah. not ever going to go back together. So I just have to build strength everywhere else to compensate for that. Um, so there's just like, and then even now, like, I feel like when I run my strides a little bit different, my hips feel wider when I strike a ball. Like I remember when I came back, my technique on how I did things, I had to basically reteach myself because my body just wasn't the same anymore. I I really was, I felt like starting from ground zero again. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, I'm sure you know that you probably felt like there was no support or somebody you can go to in the league who can prepare you for these type of challenges that you were experiencing as a mom coming back into the game. Yeah. I feel like there was, I had a lot of support in the sense of the moms for like, you know, childcare and like, what did, you know, what did you do during, do during this time of your pregnancy? Because of all the other moms I knew, like Shana, Sarah, Michelle Vasconzuelos, Sid, like I definitely reached out to people that I, I knew well enough to. Um, but the biggest issue I found was there, and from my research, I could be wrong. There's a few moms I didn't talk to. I'm pretty sure I'm the only mom in the league that had a C-section. So as far as coming back from that, because it's major surgery, I, I actually didn't even know what a C-section was. So after I had one and I Googled it and I was like, oh my God, they just did that to me. Um, so, <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's a lot. Um, I, I even told people, I was like, I think I'd rather have another ACL than have another C-section because that was <laughs> not, not pleasant. <laughs> Um, so I feel like it was a lot of communication with my athletic trainer and my coach because we didn't really know who to ask about coming back to play, return to play post C-section. Like there's not a lot of research on it. Not a lot of people have done it. So 
we just didn't, we had to kind of build our own program and kind of learn from our mistakes in it. And we kind of, we still really are. Um, so that was a very interesting way. I remember my coach being like, oh yeah, just, just reach out to Serena Williams. I was like, dude, do you think me and her like talk? <laughs> I think she, I think she knew it through you. I feel- I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I don't think that's a thing. Slide into her DMs. Just do it. Yeah. But- <laughs> I know. Maybe she'll watch this and be like, maybe she'll reach out to me. Who knows? <laughs> and even though it's such a challenge, it's also probably so rewarding to know that you're going to help so many other future female soccer players who are going to have kids. And a lot of people probably will have C-sections and like, thank goodness for you that you'll probably be the one who they go to, to ask things for. So that's like really incredible. Yeah, Yeah, no, I, I like, like there's been, I feel like ever since I've actually had my, my son, there have been so many more players within the league or, you know, other players that are playing in different leagues that I know just kind of reaching out and asking about the process, what it was like, what, what my life now looks like, like what, what is hard to balance. And they're just kind of, cause no one's really done it. Not that many, I guess there's what 11 moms now in the league. And I think people are just getting more curious now because people are playing longer. I mean, people are playing up until their forties and like, we don't want to, I feel like it's nice that we don't have to choose between having a family and playing now. Like you can have both. And I think that's, that's huge. And some people's choice might not be to be, to do both, you know, and it's fine to have your own path, but some people do. And for me, I always wanted to have a family while I was younger and then continue to play. Like I wanted to do both and watching, honestly, Sid was kind of my inspiration for it. Watching her do it and then come back and be just the badass that she was. I was like, okay, I can do this. And then I had two moms on my team and watching them do it, Sarah and Michelle. I was like, okay, I got this. Um, so I just feel like the more the more support we have from other women doing that and the more we're vocal about it, um, the better off people are going to be in the future. Is there yeah. any way that you wish the league supported you as a current now mom that they the league doesn't right now I feel like the hardest part is so you guys obviously know we have like Wednesday games and things like that um some of us have partners and um some of us don't when we have kids and it's I feel like the hardest part is the travel with with our kids I feel like I got really lucky um in the sense that they let me travel a babysitter and they paid her Um, Because I feel like there is a difference when you've got moms in the league that are maybe um, allocated players, I guess allocation has gone away now, but are national team players, like their financial footing is very different than a player in my standing. Um, And so like, having a full time sitter and someone that travels with me all the time, is it actually financially something I could probably do. So then being able to do that for me and actually travel someone that would stay in my room and watch Grady while we were on away trips so that I could sleep on the the, the night before the game. So that during the game, I knew someone was going to take care of my child because that's a big issue that comes up. Like right now, when the moms in the league are traveling our kids, where do they go during the games? A lot of the times we're having to pawn them off to who knows who, like I might not even know them. And my child's just up in the stand sitting with that person. So I feel like if there was just like a space and at these stadiums, there is space, you know, to put, to put the kids, whether it's a box or whatever. Um, I feel like that would be super, super helpful. Um, obviously there is a, um, stipend for childcare. Um, but 
it's nowhere where it needs to be <laughs> money wise, but it is there. Um, and I feel like club to club, it's a bit different on the care that you get for your kids. Um, to be honest, the Red Stars have done an amazing job for me. And I'm very thankful for what they've provided um, and how they've supported me in that aspect. But I feel like the biggest thing is travel with the kids because that's the hardest part for sure. Yeah, I could only imagine. And like you were saying, like you want to trust, you don't ha- want to have to worry about who's watching your kid every single time. Like you want yeah. to be able to like, that shouldn't be something you're worrying about before you play a game. And also yeah. all the stadiums, all the home fields should just have a daycare. They should just yeah. have, you know how gyms have that? Yeah. Like, yes. You just need to do that. <laughs> well, I've been saying, I even talked a little bit to some people in the league and I was like, we should have like, if we partnered, I don't know if you guys know what kinder care is or any kind of like daycare that is like nationwide and they just become a sponsor of the league. And that is something that we could utilize and they come to the games and there's like a, a person that's watching your child during that. And they're just at every game. And maybe even people that come to the games might have younger children that could utilize that as well. And then we could make money off of it. You know, I've got all these little plans in the back of my head. Yes. I'm just like, can we implement them? <laughs> that's, that's a great idea. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just curious. So what, like, do you have any advice for any other players who are feeling hesitant to start a family while they're playing? Um, I feel like, I don't know, it depends on if they want to, I feel like the hardest part is I navigating how to, because, okay, hold on, let me backtrack and preface. So being a professional athlete, I feel like can be in a way very, you have to be very selfish with your time. And you can't really do that when you have a kid. Like, I feel like my amount of time that I can go in and get treatment has really cut down because. I now have Grady in daycare, but before it was like, I only had to sit her at practice during practice time. And I would try and stay after sometimes and get treatment. And it was impossible because he's crying. He wants to hold me and <laughs> I'm having to get needles put in my leg or whatever <laughs> ultrasound or whatever it might be. And it's like, that. It's just, that's just not going to happen. So the amount of times I had to bail and not like take care of my body um, was a lot that first season. So honestly, the first year you is a big, like kind of figuring out your path this year, I feel more settled in it. So I feel like the biggest advice I could give is that you, if you're going to do it, you have to have a good amount of patience (laughs) (laughs) because I, and you can't expect to come back and be exactly the person you were. Cause that's what I wanted to be right. When I got back, I want to step on the field and not have moved anywhere from where I was. And that wasn't the case. I feel like I'm still trying to build myself back up to where I was and still try and figure out a way to be the best mom I can and be the best player. And I still don't have a perfect concoction for that. Um, so I feel like as long as you're okay with navigating that and knowing that there's going to be bumps along the road and it's not, you're not going to be the same type of professional athlete as you were before, then go ahead. But if you're hesitant at all and you want to stay in that like, selfish mindset of just like focusing on you, then maybe you don't want to combine the two. Yeah. And I also feel like that, like, I feel like you never, there's never a good time. I feel like you're, you're, you're never, you're never going to fully be ready. You know what no. I mean? And, but like when it finally does happen, everything is doable and it will just look a little different for you. Yeah. That's what I always say. Like, and people are always like, 
moms just, they always find a way. They always figure it out. The babysitter cancels. You think the world's going to end. You're not going to figure out what to do. (laughs) You end up finding, figuring something out. And I feel like that's kind of the case. Once I did find out I was pregnant and became a mom, I was just, you know, it just kind of, it kind of comes together. And I feel like as athletes, we like structure, we crave structure and there is not, (laughs) there is not structure when there is a baby or a toddler, like they, they are on their own time. Um, So I feel like that was a big adjustment as well. Like that was hard. Yeah. I mean, cause if you think about it as soccer players or athletes, like you're always like time, you know, you have certain times you do things and you have certain routines, certain habits. And then all of a sudden when you're a mom, like it, you have to become a lot self selfless and you have yeah. to actually have a more flexible outlook on your schedule. Cause it's going to change. Yeah. Like you're saying, like so many unexpected things happen, mm-hmm. but I remember too, I was, I was breast, I breastfed until about seven months. And like in that time frame was when I was trying to get ready for, to come back in the season. And when you're breastfeeding, you're on a clock, man, there, you got like two hours in between three hours in between where you've got to get some, like a workout in or something like that. And then there were days that that just didn't happen. So that can be super frustrating, especially when you're an, when you're an athlete at this caliber, like you, like, I always say like, moms always joke on like TikTok or on Instagram about like, Oh, missed my workout. Cause of so-and-so like, or my child wanted to do this. So this is my workout today. And they're like sitting on the couch, like doing bridges with their kid, but that's actually the reality. And at this level, when that turns into your workout, it's like, <laughs> it's terrible. You're like, I actually needed to do sprints. I needed to do one twenties and I needed to do that. And that's just, I feel like it's a much slower progression than what you're used to, um, at the professional level. Yeah, definitely. But it sounds like you're, you know, you have to be mentally strong to get through that transition because eventually when your child grows up and is a little bit more independent, like things can go a little bit more back to normal for you. But I'm sure just during this chapter of your life, you have to be strong mentally and remind yourself that it's temporary. You just got to get, get through it. Right. Yeah. I feel like the year and a half, like I'm at that point where it's, where it's starting to get easier. Like year and a half. He's now in daycare. He's more self-sufficient. Um, he can do things on his own. Um, he can feed himself. Like, I feel like this, this time right now is now when I'm kind of, it's like the tide's turning a bit and I can focus in a little bit more on myself. It's just that first year to year and a half. That's kind of like chaos. Definitely. My, uh, when you were talking about breastfeeding, my teammate, I play in like a women's league and last week, she uh, fell on the ground and like the oh. came out of her <gasps> and every no way. Team, half of them are moms all started laughing and the rest <laughs> like what she's like I'm breastfeeding it was so cool. like I was like yeah, yeah. I was like we gotta post this on like social media like stuff like that <laughs> it really helps yeah. more people see like this type of thing is normal and like you can expect that as a female athlete like more people will be more comfortable doing it but it was yeah so- no. That is so funny. I, I remember the only, I didn't really have anything like that happen to me while I was playing. Um, but I do remember when we would, when we were traveling, when I was still breastfeeding, I would have to, I looked up, I downloaded an app on my phone and it's for, they have these breastfeeding pods in airports. And so when the team would be going to luggage, like to pick up all the bags, I'm like, sorry guys, got to stop at the breastfeeding pod. <laughs> and I would go and I was, I've seen yeah. them. They look cool. Yeah, they're kind of cool. I was like in there taking selfies. Like, should I be taking selfies in here? 
That's hilarious. So you you mentioned that you knew early on you wanted to be a mom. Did you always know that you wanted to be a professional soccer player? Um, No. So I actually didn't. I didn't really. So when I was 16, my team folded. um, And I don't think I really realized that I was like good enough to play professionally until I kind of got into college. And at that time, I think I had made it into a U18 youth national team camp. And I was like, huh, I'm going into these. Maybe I'm like, I'm like a little bit better than I think I am. Um, And so then I I kept going into more and more. And that's kind of where my confidence came from. And I think it was probably about my sophomore year, my sophomore year of college. Yeah, right before I tore my ACL when I was kind of like, okay, I think I I do want to play professionally. But at that time, I don't, I think my sophomore year, there still was no NWSL. So in my head, I'm like, I wanted to go overseas. That was like, kind of the idea that I had and I tore my ACL and I was like oh well this isn't happening um and so yeah I didn't I guess I didn't really always know that I wanted to play it wasn't until college that I probably knew but I knew from since I was little that I wanted to be a mom like since I was probably in high school um just kind of watching my mom be a mom and then watching my aunts and I always loved playing with younger kids like I just always had always had envisioned that in my mind. Um, I didn't know what that looked like, like what time timing wise. But then when I met my husband and we had chatted, it just the time was right when we had him. Like I was ready. I fully mentally was ready. Um, I remember I had a conversation with Rory explaining this to him before I even got pregnant, saying, "Hey, I just want you to know, like I'm in this mindset. I'm going to try and make sure I don't do anything in season to miss it. Um, but I just kind of want you to know where my head's at." Um, because it is something like we gave thought to and I wanted to time so that I can continue to play. Yeah, that's that's amazing. It's so nice to hear that your mom was such a huge inspiration for you. I mean, all of us feel that way about ours as well. And we just wanted to know recently with, you know, your family and the loss of your mom, like, do you have any advice for any players who are going through a grieving process right now? Because I'm sure it impacts everything in their life, including their game. I think leaning on them. I feel like for me, when everything happened with my mom, I was so young that I really bottled it all in. Um, and I feel like I kind of suffered from that a bit in my like relationships with people. I never, I feel like it wasn't honestly until I had Grady that I allowed myself to kind of open up again and allow people to let me know, allowed people to get to know me a bit more emotionally. Um, I just was always a bit guarded. Um, but I feel like talking to people who have gone through similar situations, my husband, actually, his mom passed away of breast cancer when he was 16. So that was, we bonded, like that was a big reason we bonded so quickly. Um, and on such a deep level, because we could kind of connect on that level. Um, I also feel like Danny Calaprico, her father passed away recently, and it doesn't have to be like, you know, your the way that your parent passed has to be the same. I feel like going through any type of trauma like that, I feel like can bond you with people and it can bring um, a little bit of closure to know that you're not in it alone. So I feel like me and Danny really, you know, kind of connected on that level. And it was nice to talk to each other. And you don't realize how much weight that takes off of you when you actually just open up to someone. And I feel like that took me a really, really long time to do. Um, cause I always thought of myself as 
super strong and I didn't want to come off as weak to anyone or that I was emotionally unstable because I definitely was emotionally unstable and <laughs> it came out in anger sometimes. Um, so I feel like talking to people is probably the biggest thing I would give advice to someone going through a similar situation. Like be open and raw and honest with how you're feeling because the more you hold it in, the harder it is. Sorry, Alana, I thought you were going to say something. <laughs> I thought I was going to say something. I know, I opened my mouth. Um, yeah, I think that's so amazing. And you're you're so strong. And everyone who's dealing with the loss of, you know, a family member or a close friend or whoever, it's always so, so, so hard. And like you were saying, when if people keep it in and then you hold on to that emotions, like it can literally like, it, it just translates into other things. Like you were saying, like lashing out at people or being angry or like just not acting like yourself because you know, you're not at peace with it. So the communication piece is key. And I hope whoever's listening now going through this can just take that away and it's okay to talk about it. And in fact, you'll feel almost instantly better when you yeah. talk to others about it. Yes. It literally is an instantaneous like feeling. It's, it's, I remember the first time I really opened up to someone and just like cried and talked about it. I couldn't believe the feeling that I had. I like almost was angry at myself that I, I had kept it in that long because I didn't realize honestly, all the feelings that I was holding back and all the thoughts that I had going on in my head. Um, and just like, I feel like too, like I just had so much like regret on things that because when someone passes, like you think of all the like terrible things you did rather than celebrating all the great moments. Um, so I think just like sitting back and thinking about, you know, the the amazing times that you spent with those people. I feel like that's super important because I feel like our brains are hardwired to think about the trauma rather than those good times. Um, like sometimes when I think back to my mom, I feel like I can only visualize those last two weeks that she was still here and she was like, on her deathbed and it just like it's such a traumatic visual that you see that it's like it's hard to remember all the other stuff so i feel like i've had to teach myself to you know remember the good memories to watch the good videos to do that because that really does make it easier yeah it's such a that's such a very that's a very very good point and sometimes you have to be so intentional with how you're gonna handle things and if you just like mm -hmm. go with the flow sometimes you'll get pulled under stuck in the yeah. negative stuck in the traumatic things. So it's, it's good. Even like think whether it, kids coming back from injury coming while you're grieving, it's just very good to be intentional with the thoughts that you're going to allow to be in your brain and intentional with the way you're going to express your emotions. So I love that advice. I think that's super important for all players. Um, so mm -hmm. you've experienced a lot of ups and downs throughout your life and throughout your playing career. Um, how, what do you think it has made you, how do you think it has made you a stronger player? even if it's just mentally? Um, I think it's taught me like resiliency, honestly. Like I feel like I've always been a bit resilient. Like I've always, more, maybe not resilient. Maybe I've always kind of played with like a chip on my shoulder, something to prove. Um, but I feel like having, having gone through what I've gone through, I, you know, I was in with the U20s when I tore my ACL and, probably would have gone to that world cup mystic tore my ACL at the same time my mom was literally dying and it was it was a lot and at the moment I was like none of this is even worth it like I I was like I'm not even going to be able to play again my mom's not going to be here I felt like my whole world was crashing and so 
when I came back to play, like what got me back was like all number one, the promise that I made to my mom that I would, you know, take soccer as far as I could and try and, you know, reach my dreams, which honestly, I feel like every player in the world who dream is to play for the U S national team at some point. Um, and so I feel like that's kind of what got me back out in the field. And then my best friends that were there to support me, um, in college during that. And I just feel like then when I got back out there, I had something to prove. And then I just kind of persevered and became super resilient in everything that I did. And I feel like that's translated to all my passions in life too. Like, I feel like I try and push the limits on everything now um, because of what I went through. Like I never, I never settle for where I'm at and I set super high standards for myself because of all that. Um, Because I feel like I'm always striving for something more. Speaking of Speaking of passions, what, what besides soccer is, are you passionate about? Do you have any other strong passions or hobbies? Um, I honestly love hiking, getting outside on the outdoors. Like that's my happy place. So, and I honestly hate the cold. So it's hilarious that I've been in Chicago for eight years. (laughs) I, I I really hate the cold, Um, but the city of Chicago is just so cool. And I never honestly thought I was a city rat. Like I grew up in Kentucky you know, played a stint over in Australia and I just love the beach, love the wilderness, like, like, like going hiking, canoeing, literally cliff diving, anything that you could think of. That's like, like, um, jumping out of air, what's that called? Skydiving. Like it, like, I like that exhilarating, like feeling. Um, so like, I never thought I would buy a house in the city and live in a downtown area. Yet here I am <laughs> living in downtown Chicago. And, um, it's just, it's, it's crazy because I feel like, but it's, I, those are still my passions. I just, I took a totally different route than I thought I would. It kind of goes with, I feel like your personality, you're such a positive person that you can kind of like immerse and, and enjoy no matter where you are, even though you're not a city person, probably by nature, like you can still enjoy all, all the things that Chicago has, which is awesome. And Chicago is a cool place. We loved it. We were only there for a few days but it was fun no it's so cool it's like i i always compare it to new york you know how like when you're in new york you're just overwhelmed because it's so big and it's like you can't navigate it like chicago is big but it's like split up in a into a bunch of different like pockets like whether you're in lincoln park west loop and it's like almost like you're in a different city in every little area but it's so clean and still looks homey it's i really it's really grown on me like I feel like I I, I actually absolutely love it here now and it's kind of got a beach like it's not my type of beach it's real <laughs> cold <laughs> but it's kind of got a beach that is true um what if you if if you didn't play soccer what would you do for a career would it be something like outdoorsy or do you have something else that once you retire you'd want to do so my whole life I actually wanted to be a dentist and then um I went to school and um, I went in as a um, what is a chemistry major or something like that. So I learned real quick that was not not for me um, after the first semester. So I changed it to kinesiology and I decided dental hygiene was maybe something I would want to do. Um, but like I said, I didn't know I was going to play professionally, so that was kind of the avenue I wanted to take. Um, but now it's funny you bring this up. I recently was like, okay, well after soccer maybe I'll still pursue that. Well found out after six years of being out of college, your credits kind of go away. 
Like, so you have to redo all of that. So I would have to redo so many credits. I didn't know that. Yes. Thanks. Yes. So if you don't like say I didn't get a job within that period and have that on file or wherever, like in my resume, then you actually have to go back, go back and do it after six years. If it's not ridiculous. <laughs> yes, I had to get like my transcripts and everything because I was like, maybe I'll do some like extra schooling because there's a little bit more I needed to do while I was in Chicago. And I was like, nope, not doing that. I, I don't I don't love school enough to go back. So love it enough honestly, to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Especially with chemistry. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So I I totally thought that's what I would do now. I I really don't know the avenue that um that I'll go down. I feel like I'm a person, I really vibe off of people, like people's energy, like really gives me life. And I enjoy getting to know different people and traveling. So I feel like something that is in that kind of ballpark where I can be myself, talk to people, um, but also see the world at the same time is probably something that I would be very interested in. I have no idea what that will be, but I feel like soccer opens so many doors for you in so many different ways. Like I've feel like as I've played professionally, I've had like multiple different job opportunities come up and I'm like, sorry, I'm still playing soccer. Like, <laughs> and you just bypass them. But I feel like soccer really does open up doors for you in more ways than just sports. You'll be able to find that next step when the time comes. I'm sure there's going to yeah. be a ton of And I feel like that's how, that's how it is with a lot of girls in the league. Like you see girls like retiring because finally that job kind of opportunity came up and they're like, okay, this is my time to step away and do this. It all comes in the at the right time, right? Yeah. Um, so we wanted to end on a question uh, and we just want to know what your favorite soccer memory is. What's one time in your past so many years of playing that just always brings a smile to your face or is the best one that you have? My favorite soccer memory. <laughs> Honestly, this is going to be a really weird one, um, but the one that pops in my head first, if I'm just being totally honest, is my, so my best friend, um, her name's Emma, and we played soccer together since we were eight years old. She went to the University of Kentucky and played as well, um, and then we were roommates there, so we literally were inseparable, but there was a game when we were, I think we were playing for the State Cup in Kentucky for a team called Lexington FC, and she was a forward at the time, and I think I was actually a center back. Maybe I, I don't think I was playing forward yet. And she went up for a ball and the goalkeeper came out and like hit her and she was on the ground. And the goalkeeper was like over her. And I sprinted because this is my best friend. I sprinted up so fast. Like I was about to start beef with this girl and I'm like screaming at her like, how dare you touch my best friend? And Emma to this day, I'm not kidding. I'm pretty sure she said it at her wedding, told this story. She was like, I just looked up at my savior coming to my rescue. And I'm like, I love you so much. But like, that's like the bond that soccer gives you. Like, I was just so in the moment. There was no question that I was about to go do that for her. Um, but like, that's honestly one moment that strikes me because that person is like my best friend and will be my best friend forever. And, you know, soccer gave us that memory. I love that. That's such a good story. We all, yeah. we all have a teammate we'd cut a bitch for, right? No, honestly, I would do anything. It's hilarious the things that I would do for this girl. And I like didn't know that I would do those things, but here I am. <laughs> you guys, we have to tweet that after this. There's yeah. always that one teammate we, we would cut a bitch for. <laughs> like, come on. Oh, no, it's so true. good. Well, 
Erin, thank you so much for coming on. This was awesome. And I feel like our listeners are going to absolutely love this episode. You gave such great advice and we really appreciate it. And hopefully we can come to Chicago soon and see you play. Yes. Anytime you guys want to come, just let me know. Shoot me a DM. I'll get you guys some tickets. Well, baby. Hopefully. Yes. Yeah. You guys can babysit all you yes. want. That would be yeah. awesome. I actually think really so much. Fun. That would be really fun. <laughs> Well, You'd be like, you would be like strangers that my kid is <laughs> <laughs> no honestly he would probably love it i feel like he's so like standoffish to guys because his whole life he's just been around all these women women and like yes and he just like loves them and he honestly eats the attention up because my team spoils the crap out of it which is probably oh. going to be bad in the long term <laughs> They literally are, these kids are, they have like 25 built-in ants. Yeah. No, they do. And like, well, I always tell people it's so cool that like, I'm going to get to tell Grady when he's older, hey, you know what? This professional athlete named Nikki Stanton taught you how to do so big and throw your arms out. And Danny Calaprico taught you how to fist bump. Like, how, how sick is that? It's like growing up, like all these pro athletes taught you all these things for the first time. Like, I just think that's so cool. I love that. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> Have a great day. All right. Bye, guys. Thank bye. you.